In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. That God will, and God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Well, good evening. Welcome to the Awakening Christmas Eve service. We're so glad that you're a part of it. My name's Carrie and as lead pastor, I just want to give a big bear hug to everybody. It's great to be together as family. Especially if you maybe come as extended family or maybe a friend or maybe you just came from the neighborhood. Thanks for being a part of this evening's time for us to not only tell the story of Christmas, but to be able to draw near to the one who the story is all about. And so I invite you to turn your hearts that way. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and as they uh, get themselves uh, positioned to lead us in a couple Christmas carols, we're going to uh, work our way towards a little bit of a candlelight um, ceremony later on with some a cappella songs and so when we get to that point there are candles underneath your chairs and the key with the candle is not to catch everything on fire right (laughs) and so you hold your candle and um, you will take your candle and dip it into the one that's burning so you don't dip your burning candle because that makes wax go everywhere on the chairs But uh, if we come to that part where we're singing a cappella, we will go down the aisles and we will light the candles and we'll just have a time of worship and uh, appreciate you helping your little kids. If you so choose to let them have a candle, we'll trust you, but you're the parent, right? So that's great. And so with that, I turn it over to the worship team. May we sing with hearts full of gratitude for what the Lord has done because it indeed is the true reason for the season. Worship our Savior tonight. The first Noel, the angel did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay sleeping their sheep.
Christmas 
and sin and error pining. The shadows are conspiring. But a light is coming. The Lord has been quiet for four centuries. The prophets are gone. There are no signs to see. It's silent. But let me tell you something. A voice is coming. The patriarchs are long dead. The judges were traded for a bunch of crowned heads. This monarchy, though, consistently failed and misled. No system is working. But there's a new king coming. Man's dead in religion. Legalism reigns. Ceremonial acts which are just simply profane. The law is not working. But a new covenant is coming. The people are defiling. The rituals God is despising. Even the priests are compromising. And the sin offerings, they're worthless sacrificing. Oh, but get ready. Because a lamb is coming the temple is a den of thieves a brood of vipers of the Pharisees same too for the Sadducees they don't even know there's a new high priest coming the nations are suffering evil is chuckling and the faithful are left wondering does God even care? Oh, let me tell you something. Emmanuel is coming. God's people desire a glorious king. The world is yearning for eternity. A perfect sacrifice each soul desperately needs. It's a silent night. But hope is in sight. The most precious gift God is bestowing. The Bethlehem star begins glowing. Let the good news start growing. A baby is coming.
another song together (laughs) and we're going to light our candles at this point too so moms and dads we trust that you'll be watching your kiddos during this and sing with us oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore 
tonight that we're able to come and fellowship together in your presence, acknowledging that you came into this world as the light of this world. There was a light that was coming. There was a voice that was coming. There was hope that was coming and it was found in you. 
Lord, as we stand together as a church family with friends tonight, I'm very mindful, Lord, that there's a lot of great, great need in each life and family that's represented. And we thank you that in you we have the hope. Because on that silent night, on that holy night, you invaded this world through your presence. And so in that remembrance of that, Lord, we just lay our lives before you to keep our hearts open to all that you would speak and say unto us in this hour. In your name we pray. Amen. You may blow out your candle. And be seated. One of the better theologians of our day has been Karl Barth. A theologian is somebody who studies theology. Theology is the study of God, the study of spiritual things. Karl Barth was uh, invited to do some lectures at the Chicago University Divinity School, and the seminarians were all gathered for these lectures, and he began to speak. And he shared many thoughts, many theological insights. And usually at the end of lecture series, they have a... Um, Time for questions. This time, though, they chose not to because Carl was not feeling well. He was sick. He was tired. And so the president of the university stood up and he said, we're not going to have any questions for the theologian, Dr. Barth, tonight. Uh, But I'm going to ask one question on behalf of all of us. And so he turned to the doctor and he says, of all you've ever studied through your years, what is the premier greatest insight that you've ever had in theology. Karl Barth 
paused for a moment. He closed his eyes. He breathed. Then he started to have a half smile and he opened his eyes and all the seminarians were real ready. They had their they had their pen and pencils down and their pieces of paper ready to write down the most impactful insight that this theologian who had literally written tens of thousands of pages of theology was going to say. And Karl Barth looked at them and said, the single greatest insight that I've ever had is that Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. In a moment such as this Christmas Eve, I don't think there's any greater message that can be spoken to you and I than the message of the greatest love story that was ever told. And that was the God of the universe loved you so much that He sent His Son Jesus into this world so that you may have life. One of my favorite verses through all my years as someone who sought to follow Jesus and to love Him is still John 10.10. It says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy the adversary, the world around us, our own sinful nature. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So I have a simple question to you tonight. Have you received the life, the fullness of life that's in Christ? Because that's why we celebrate Christmas. It's not just because it's a a great family holiday. A great time to exchange gifts and and to hear the innocence of our children and the wonder and the joy that they have. But we celebrate Christmas because the God who started up the whole universe loved you so much that he decided to do something about your predicament. Your predicament and my predicament. And that is that really, if we're honest, I mean, we try to put on a good face. We try to show a good front. We try to have the things other people have. We try to suck it up and make it do like we're all right. But really inside, if we're honest, we are broken, needy people. We are broken, needy people. We are sinful people. But that's really not a cool term to talk about. God saw the predicament. And he had all kinds of options to change the way the world is. But he chose that he would do this love story thing. And he would send his son into the world. The son being God himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We don't quite understand that whole concept of what the the word refers to as the Trinity. But God himself clothed himself with flesh and entered this world. The pentatonics thing that we started off with. Mary, did you know? There was a phrase in there that sort of caught me. It's right after the phrase of, you know, did you know that he trod where angels trod? You know, this concept that God was in the heavens with the angels. And, and that, but then the next phrase was, did you know, Mary, that when you, when you kissed your baby, you were kissing the face of 
God. Now think about that one. Who came up with that incredible idea? It's a slanderous idea to several people in different religions around the world, but that God himself would clothe himself as an infant baby. And to think that Mary kissed God? That almost makes you want to jump back and and, uh, hold yourself close because it's like, oh my goodness, could that be? The greatest love story ever told was God pursuing you through his son. Do you remember when, and some of you are still in high school, I understand that. Some of you younger kids, you'll probably maybe be there. I don't know, maybe it happens in elementary school too. I guess it sort of does. But do you remember when you're in school and someone came up to you, like one of your good friends, and said, hey, hey, I know something. I go, well, what do you know? I know somebody who likes you. <laughs> you ever ever happened to you? Now, you have one or two responses in that moment, right? You're, well, your first response was, well, who? But then right on the edge of the who, and when they tell you, you're either going to have one of these, oh, really? Or you're going to have, oh, no. Right? Oh, no. They like me? Oh, no. They've got the cooties. You know, whatever. Right? I'm going to run from that. But then sometimes it's like, really? Really? They have an interest in me? Well, we're going to have to work this thing out. Maybe should I talk to them? Maybe you could talk to them. Right? The whole pursuit with the love thing. Do you remember those of you who are married when you pursued your spouse, right? And maybe they were playing hard to get. Maybe they fell for you right away. I don't know. But there's something not only romantic, there's something enchanted about the idea that someone loves you and is pursuing you and wants to be in relationship with you. There's always that awkward first type of crossing, right? Like, hi, how are you? Hi, hi. (laughs) Maybe you knew him, and so now it's a little bit more of an us talk rather than just a friend talk. There's an awkwardness in that, but what do you think about Mary? Mary was being pursued by God, but God was being born to her as a virgin. How incredible was that? She didn't fully understand it all. Mary, did you know? But she knew that the child that was conceived in her womb was not a child conceived through relations with a man. It was a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. And this was God himself through his spirit and his son from the father pursuing an intimate relationship with his creation. And Mary and Joseph, they, friends, they were just common people, right? A peasant girl, they were under imperial reign and, and they moved their way across country to, to have a census taken in a town of Bethlehem. There wasn't anything spectacular about them. When you think about all the grandeur that people put around some of the figures of today, whether it's a, a prime minister or a president, right, or a, a king or a queen or something, that is like, oh my goodness, that's how God would come. But he didn't. He just, he came to just a typical, normal, everyday couple. God's always choosing to pursue normal, everyday people. Not a single person in this room, whether a child or the oldest adult, is outside of that love relationship pursuit from God. 
He sent his son into the world, and I believe he sent you here tonight just to be reminded of that love and be given the opportunity to choose to be in relationship with him. But guess what? When someone says, hey, did you know somebody likes you? You've got to sort of make a decision. Are you going to respond to that love or not? So here's God pursuing us, but we have to choose whether to respond or not. And guess what? Scripture also teaches that there is a brokenness, a fallenness, a sinfulness within us that more likely than not, you know what the disposition is? Nah, forget it. I got things under control. I know how to do things a little bit better my way. I don't know what all that relationship would entail, but I don't, I don't think that I want to do it. And so there's a lot of indifference as well as ignorance. Sometimes outright rebellion, but I don't find that in the world. I don't find, you know, there's no rebels in here necessarily, but there may be some of us who have not responded to the pursuit of that love relationship. God's gift of grace to you is being offered every day of your life. It's offered here this evening. But you have to choose to respond to the receiving of that gift. He pursues you. He pursues you not just to redeem and save you from your sins. He pursues you to be in a relationship with you all the days of your life. And so when we sing, oh, come let us adore him, that's not just at the manger scene. That's a, that's a daily opportunity to come to him and adore him who he is and his embrace. Does it matter who the gift comes from? Think about it. You're going to be opening gifts. Maybe you already have. We had a little bit of a Christmas Eve thing today, opening a few gifts. And you always ask, well, who's this from? Oh, this is from Grace. This is from Levi. This is from Zach. This is from your mom. And you immediately try to contextualize because if it's one of your siblings, you get a little suspicious. Right? Mom and dad, you're pretty, pretty cool with them. They're probably going to know you well. What if it's an exchange of gift between spouse to spouse? Who the gift come from makes a world of difference. The gift of grace, the gift of Jesus Christ, the one who came to give you life and to give it to the full, he was given to you by the Father. The loving Heavenly Father. We looked at it Sunday in the Old Testament. It has this great prophecy saying that, you know, hey man, a child is going to be born, but the Son is given. And, and when He comes to sort of make things right throughout all of history, you know, he's, he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, if you were to get a gift from an enemy or, or think about what would happen on the battlefield or, you know, all the extra uh, concern, whether it's a, it will be in an airport to tomorrow morning early and TSA and all that kind of stuff, you can't leave the packages sitting around. Why? Because people get suspicious. In some of our evil and dark world, you would be very suspicious if a package came to you from an unknown person, especially if you were serving in a high place of government or something it's like, wait a second. Suspicion sets in if you don't know who it is because there could be malintent. But with a loving, heavenly, everlasting Father, there is no malintent. Now, maybe you have a good father figure growing up. Maybe you don't. 
Maybe your father was very present and loving. Maybe your father was absent. And so it's hard to contextualize this, but you need to know this. Rightfully so, a loving Heavenly Father is going to give you a gift that brings you life and joy and peace and grace and purpose and a destiny. The gift of receiving Jesus Christ in your life and coming into a relationship with Him is exactly what Jesus has said. I've come that you may have life, not to kill your joy. Not to sit on you and squash you. I don't know about you, but I had a really hard time with that growing up. I thought God, if I really received him into my life and I chose to live for him, would kill my joy and put me on a trajectory that was a real bummer. What happened to the greatest story that was ever told? This love story of God giving out of himself, entering this present world through the flesh. What happened to the love story? Where did we go wrong in this story? Where did we start to make Christianity about sort of like a used car contract or something, right? There's there's certain kind of clauses and assumptions in there. and, And if you don't do what's right, then there's certain kind of consequences to it. The whole story has got warped through the years, I believe, because of the evil one. And sometimes because of our own fear. But the story is not one to control you, to overwhelm you with rules, regulations, and creeds. To put you in a straitjacket. The story is, I've come that you may have life and to have it to the full. John 3.16. You're familiar with that one, right? If you've been around, even not even church, in ball games. Or if you watched Tim Tebow when he played in college, it was right there underneath his eyes. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave. Who? God the Father, the everlasting Father, gave so that you can have life. He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I always say this, eternal life is just not about the thing in heaven. Many times the whole Christian message sort of gets packaged as, well, it's not really for now, it's just for when after you die. No. Eternal life means a full, abundant life today. Not that everything's easy street or that there's no tears that aren't shed in your life, but God's presence is there. His life comes into your life. There's fullness there. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world and fill it full of a bunch of contracts and requirements. He came to love you. He came to save the world through him. The gift comes from a loving heavenly father. It's offered to you. And the gift is the gift of his life. The gift of grace and mercy. Abundant provision. Unmerited favor we've described grace as in the last few weeks. That's God's gift to you and why we sing and celebrate. You know, the stories told by Patrick Morley and a book for men called The Man in the Mirror talks about a fishing expedition that took place in Alaska. Three men and the 12-year-old boy of one of the men went salmon fishing in Alaska area, and they had a great, great trip doing that. They got on board their seaplane to fly back. But as they started to fly back, the plane crashed. But all four of them survived. They huddled together in that plane in the coldness of that open sea with the waves around them 
and they had a word of prayer. And they decided that they would take off to try to swim to shore. Two of the men began to swim to shore, and they made it to shore because they were the stronger ones. The other man was swimming, and he turned around, and he realized that his 12-year-old boy was struggling. And so he made a choice. He turned back to his boy. And the coldness of the waters and the riptide currents were too strong. They tried to make their way, but they weren't making any way, and they realized it was hopeless. So the third man, who could have swam to shore, embraced his young son, and they were swept out to sea, and they drowned. A loving Heavenly Father will seek to save you and rescue you from whatever place you are in life. This man died with his son. Jesus, as he grew, living a sinless life, was called to obedience by his Heavenly Father. And the Father, through the Son, died with you and for you. But his story is different. Because he broke the power of death. He was placed on a cross. He was crucified. He was put in a grave for three days. And on the third day, he broke the pain and the chains of death and came forth. Jesus Christ died for you and me. He was born so that He might die for you and I to live with Him. To live a full life today and to live a full life for eternity. I don't know what your concept of God the Father has been in your life, but here on this Christmas Eve, may you know that He loves you, He embraces you, He wants you to be in relationship with Him. But you must respond. If I was to give you this gift, there's only one way for you to receive it, and that is to take it and to embrace it. And I would like to just have a simple prayer for anyone in this room this evening. If you would like to receive God's gift of grace, the life of His Son living in you, then you can do so this evening. Will you pray with me? Our Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for your love and that you loved us so much that you gave your life for us. And Lord, just in the quietness of these moments, I pray if there was anyone in this room who has never received the gift of your life, they would simply repeat a simple prayer after me in the quietness of their heart. Repeat this prayer. If you so desire to receive the gift of God's grace and life that is found in His Son, the one who was born to die so that you might live again with Him. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come into my life. I've been indifferent to your pursuit. I've turned a deaf ear, but I now dig out my ears to hear your love story to me 
in your presence pursuing me. I repent of my sin. I turn from that indifferent life. And I turn towards you. And I invite you to come into my life to be not only my Savior, to be not only my Lord, but to be my forever friend, my forever guide, my wonderful counselor, my mighty God, my everlasting Father, and my Prince of Peace. And so by a simple prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my life and from this day forward I will choose to the best of my ability to follow you every day. Amen. Amen. The worship team is going to come. We're going to sing a song about God's grace that we've been learning over the last few weeks. And I invite you as we close with this song that you will take all of your voice You with me? And even if you don't know this song, you will lift your voice to God and thank Him for His amazing grace. Because the reason for the season is found in Jesus Christ and what He has done on your behalf in this love relationship that He's pursuing with you even this hour. And with this song then, we will close with a benediction. But may we stand and rejoice in this gift better than any gift under the tree.